LifeWay Leadership Podcast Network. G'day, I'm Derek Hanna. And I'm Madeline Galea. And welcome to The One Thing, a podcast designed to give you one solid practical tip for gospel-centred ministry every week. Well, Madeline, this is we're back on uh, on Zoom now. Yep. I've been to Sydney once. Yep. This is the first time we've done a record in a long time. Yeah. And uh, we are in the midst, unfortunately, of another, another one that looks like a wave of Omicron COVID uh, firing across the country. Mm. But what better time? To pause and think and consider how it is that we, we use our time um, and what it is we, we do over the coming months and how we think about that as well right now, which is why I'm very thankful uh, for our guest we've, uh, we've got on today. I'm going to introduce him in a second. We just say that one thing is brought to you thanks to Geneva Push, the Australian Church Planting Network. Uh, our vision is to see 200 more churches launched, evangelised into existence across Australia over the next 10 years. We want to see thousands of healthy multiplying evangelistic churches and with that plug let me introduce you to another episode of the one thing this one's called space maker now i'm very thankful to have daniel c on welcome daniel good to have you here yeah thanks for having me on the show Daniel is a pastor in Tasmania. He's a productivity consultant as well. Just talk to us. Can you introduce yourself a little bit? Um, you've written a book, which is what we're going to be discussing today. Um, what does what a productivity, productivity consultant look like and how do you manage that with being a pastor? Yeah, look, it's not always easy. You have to be productive. <laughs> and, uh, you know, sometimes I question the wisdom of being bivocational, but it definitely fits as well. So I used to be a physiotherapist originally, and then I ended up planning a church and then realized that physiotherapy uh, wasn't as kind of connected with what I was doing and ended up having so many management and leadership conversations that I ended up starting a business and it accidentally took off from there. Mm. Uh, and, you know, I've never really looked back. It's given me an amazing opportunity to connect with leaders and business people and um, uh, to really broaden my connections with people who aren't believers. And at the same time, uh, there's a lot of connections between productivity, which talks about your why, talks about your values, your priorities. And then, you know, that obviously leads to how we live and what we believe spiritually. And hopefully, you know, from a gospel perspective, I get to share sometimes. Hmm. Yeah, it's great. Nick, you've written a book, as, as we flagged before, called Space Maker. And your, your setup, as I'm looking at you on the screen, is fantastic because you can get audible narration. That's how I'm listening to it because I've got a short attention span, which is one of the problems that the book addresses. <laughs> Talk to us. What's at the heart of this book? What, and, and what's driven you to, um, uh, to be a productivity consultant? What drove you to write it? Yeah. So, look, I'm a pretty busy person by my, myself, as, as you can imagine. Uh, I like the quote by Richard Bach that we teach best what we most need to learn. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I've had times in my life where I've definitely felt overwhelmed, almost burnt out uh, when I've struggled with space. And, and in terms of my business and also my church life, I'm on tech all the time. Uh, early on in the book, you talk about the, just to jump straight into it, uh, you talk about the inverted U-curve. And so there's a point in which technology, uh, it is a good thing, but it does and it can allow me to be more effective. And I can see that in, you know, I love Google Calendar. Texting is very helpful. Uh, but then an overuse of technology can actually reduce my productivity. 
And, uh, you know, if I check my emails all day long, I'm probably not as effective. Um, I guess as a starting point, I can, you know, I can see those things. Um, But is there anything that I can do to further understand where that tipping point is when I'm looking at technology, how I'm managing my time? Where is technology adding to my life, whether productivity or building relationships and where is it detracting? Yeah, and I think it it can happen both at the same time because what I say is you need tech skills, tech habits. You need to be learning how to live well and use, uh, organize yourself well, which is kind of like that left side of the curve. A bit more technology and a bit more skill makes you more productive, but you also need to make space, which is unplug from that over distraction that that churn on the right hand side of the curve and often we struggle with both at the same time so it's not necessarily a kind of a you know we hit this point and we've fallen over into distraction we can we can need uh, two sets of skills at the same time but to answer that question specifically if you look at the youth research it's pretty clear uh, you know when young people spend three hours or more online um, every day above their homework they increase their suicide risk factors by one or two out of the five factors, uh, it reduces mental health outcomes. Uh, Jean Twenge, who wrote this kind of great book, iGen, based on large longitudinal research across the USA, uh, came up with this amazing summary statement of the four biggest studies in the US and basically said that there is no situation where more screen time increases happiness and mm. excessive screen time always reduces happiness in uh, teens and tweens, which is amazing. Like, and we really need to grasp that research. And you now hear Facebook hiding uh, similar research or Instagram hiding similar internal research that just repeats Twenge's findings. Uh, So we know that for young people, but it's hard for adults because no one really researches adults and you don't want to tell an adult what to do. So for me, it's more about symptoms. Uh, Do you feel increasingly distracted? Do you reach for your phone first thing in the morning and last thing at night? You know, you're checking on the toilet. Are you frustrated that when you're around your kids, um, you you know keep gravitating towards your phone and ignore that kind of quality time, that being present with them? Mm. Uh, is it changing your sleep patterns? Are you finding it hard to read a book or or pray or be in silence and solitude for a significant period of time without any technology? You know when it starts to change our pattern, our hearts and our habits. Uh, if you can't turn off your phone for a day, a week for Sabbath, for example, and if, if the idea of turning off your phone for a whole day totally freaks you out, well, it's a bit of an indication, like St. Ignatius says, that you might want to test the loves and the longings of your heart. That's good. I was thinking of the guy in your book who uh, didn't have a phone, and I thought, oh, <laughs> that's appealing. Um, yes, and is it just, is it also because that was uh, like, it's quite addictive. And then there's the amount of time I can give to technology, but it's also, uh, I mean, this is a personal thing, but like, do you have social media or not? Like does Instagram deepen your relationships or does it give you something else perhaps? Or does it, like, is it reflecting on individual um, apps as well as the amount of time I spend on them? Yeah, I mean, the research in young people says it's not just about screen time, it's about the quality in which you're spending that time. Mm. Uh, And, you know, I I really do think that we need to limit our social media in particular. That's one of the big areas where we can gain wins, Uh, changing your email management, getting rid of, let's say, news apps from the phone and changing your pattern. So there are some quick wins. Um, An interesting Cal Newport, who's a bit more radical on the digital minimalism side, he suggests 45 minutes a week should be the amount we need for social media in order to do everything we need to do to just quickly see what people are doing in their life. Maybe a bit more for um, 
maybe a little bit more for business purposes. Mm. So that's quite extreme. And he was the first person I read that actually put a limit down. Uh, but he's quite popular in the States. But, you know, 45 minutes a week compared to what most of us doing, are doing is uh, quite different. Um, mm. Yeah. Yeah. You've look. You've just touched on, I've got a little hobby horse. It's more like a Trojan horse on social media. It's a blight on society, which we're not talking about now. So I'm not going to talk about In fact, we're recording another episode on that uh, in the Are you weeks. friends with me on Facebook? Or are you following me on Instagram? No, I'm telling you. <laughs> You're talking to two I people. Would if who, I had an yeah. Um, and the, look, the problem, with, the problem with this is as lead, church leaders as well, we often make decisions that infect the culture around this as well. And we need to reflect deeply on that for ourselves as well as for the culture within the church but that's a slightly different uh conversation can i just push into i've got a question around one of the um the principles you've got in your book because you've got a number of them but just before that it's interesting this word productivity uh, can be quite loaded in this space as well um it feels about uh, the word feels like it pushes into getting more done and that's it, kind of mm. whole uh, Stephen Covey-ish uh, question. When you talk about productivity, uh, how are you talking to people about that word? What do you mean by that? Yeah, I, I think it's probably getting the right things done, essentially. I mean, David Allen has shifted his language even between the first book and the second book on that. When I look at productivity authors, whether it be David Allen, Stephen Covey, etc., uh, the old guys or the new guys like Patrick Lencioni, if you really look deeply, they're not just talking about getting more done and mm. constantly trying to keep up. Uh, but I think that can be seen as you know what it's about being efficient. Uh, in fact, there's a great book that I read recently by Oliver Berkman, uh, The 4,000 Weeks. And it's a bit cynical, but he basically says that the idea of keeping up is ridiculous. We'll never do it. The more you keep up, the more stuff you have. And that's been my experience. And so uh, because we have finite time, uh, we simply need to accept that it's not just that uh, we won't be able to do all the, like everything on our plate. We, we won't be able to do the good and meaningful and important things that we have, that we value. We won't even be able to do them in our lifetime. And so it's about prioritizing ruthlessly what really matters based on your values. I would say your calling uh, based on your discernment of what God has put you in this world for. So for me, productivity is about self-reflection. It's about revelation, knowing who Jesus has put you in this place for. Uh, it's it's being willing to say no to really good things simply because you're called to put your time into other things and and accept the finality of your life that that you're not God and your aim isn't to get everything done to build a great church to have an amazing family you won't have balance uh, the, the aim is simply to hear and obey God's voice and and to focus on the things that you're meant to do and any productivity tool that helps you to eliminate distraction and eliminate stuff that isn't important so you can maintain focus on what God's calling you to do. I think that's that's what's productive. That's what I mean by productivity. Yeah, that's good. That's helpful. Now, here, here's the question I want to push into because your book is broken up into three parts, paradigms, um, principles, and then some practicalities. Just this middle section on practicalities, there's an interesting one. Um, sorry, the principles. There's an interesting one at the end. Principles, yeah. Principles, where you talk about love and worship and you quote... Uh, Steve McAlpine in there as well, and I saw you had an interview recently with him uh, and his beard on, you can find that at stevemcalpine.com, uh, fantastic beard. It's a great interview, very helpful. But this love and worship uh, principle is a fascinating one. Can you just talk to us a little bit about why you identified this one and where it comes from? 
Yeah, it's interesting. My original uh, chapter was called Worship. And when I gave it to 20 unchurched clients, uh, they said that was the most challenging chapter because it's basically about idolatry, Mm. but they couldn't come at the idea of worship. So I called the chapter Love and then basically kept it the same and at the end said, we worship. It was it was an interesting, and they, they liked that. So it's, it's funny how words uh, have meaning, and that doesn't answer your question at all. Um, look, I, I really do think that idolatry is a massive issue for us, and we don't even see it. Uh, in terms of technology, some of us are addicted to our phones, so we love technology in itself, but most of us love through our phones. So uh, if, you know, I don't know, popularity is important or relationships, then you might love through your phone using social media. Uh, If work and performance is important, then you might, you know, plant churches uh, by getting obsessed about productivity apps. You know, it might be if your love is money and safety and security through wealth, then obviously you start using wealth generating apps. But but the phone is this one-stop idol shop that allows us to chase our loves and longings without necessarily knowing we're doing it. So of the five principles that you've got, um, you can see how setting limits, planning patterns and assigning rest can really drive towards productivity. Uh, But in these kinds of books, you don't often see cultivating community, embracing silence as much. Uh, What's behind those? Can you... um, yeah, just expand, expand on your thinking for um, com- ex- yeah, cultivating community and embracing silence. Yeah. Well, firstly, I needed an acrostic that looked like space. <laughs> so, you know, that was the main it's reason. It's a good driver. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's not true. Um, probably, look, it's interesting that I, I would say for my life, and this is, this, these are probably based on personal values, but I, I do think they're really important biblical values, uh, community and the value of uh, submitting one's life and our, uh, our time and our decisions to community to, to really you know, look like an ax to kind of community that is an extended family on mission, that, that is really important to me. Face-to-face relationships really matter. And the research is really strong in saying that face-to-face relationships and community massively increase mental health outcomes, improve quality of life, increase long, longevity. That doesn't happen with social media. Uh, so community is a value for me, but also contemplation because I'm an introvert and it kind of feels the opposite. But uh, a contemplative life of silence and solitude is deeply important to me. I see it in the life of Jesus. I see it in the patterns of the saints mm. and church fathers. Uh, and, and in my mind, we need to reclaim and recover silence and solitude and rest and listening uh, really sitting in the presence of God and enjoying his presence not for what we can do but just because we're loved and I think Mm -hmm. holding community and an engaging intentional um, lifestyle of living in community with church people and unchurched people and also you know being silent and reflecting I think they're two things that shape my apprenticeship my apprenticeship or discipleship to Jesus and I think they're really important values biblically for for all Christians to to wrestle with in some way mm. so so in the last part of your book you move from uh, principles to practices and you've got six there. you got start with holidays day to think digital detox weekly day of rest daily refresh daily pause as your you know in your own uh, ministry and as you're talking to other people who are leading churches and ministries as well, which of those are you finding people struggling with the most? Oh, if you want the hardest one, absolutely Sabbath, a weekly day of rest. 
Hmm. Uh, I think it's the most valuable. Even if you look at the productivity research, weekly prioritization and planning tends to be the most valuable and the most neglected. There's, there's something about that weekly perspective that holds the annual and daily kind of life together, hmm. but we find it hard to do. So I think uh, designing a true day of rest where you're shaping it around, uh, I call it rest and remembrance. So a day of rest, uh, God created the world in six days and called us to rest on the seventh. Uh, so what does it mean to, to dedicate a day of rest a week to God? And what does it look like to dedicate that around worship and remembrance, remembering who we are in Christ um, and remembering who we are as people? I, I feel like that practice is so important. But um, And I talk about the rationale in the book. Again, this isn't, it's written, this is probably the most religious um, chapter in the book, but uh, I've written it in the sense of, for many of us, we can't truly rest unless we disconnect from technology because for us as knowledge workers, technology is our work and thinking through the online world is the way in which we engage in work. So we have to think about what is work and rest. Mm. Um, but tech, you know, very simply, it's turn off your phone for a day a week and, and not just turn it off, but delight in and shape your practices individually and as a family around activities that are truly restful at a soul level and at a physical, spiritual level. Um, and if you can do that and learn to rest well, it can transform your whole week. Yeah. So that's the hardest practice. But when people get it right, gee, it's um, amazing. Yeah. yeah. yeah that's good. Uh, what's the one thing you want to say about making space? I've come to the conclusion, I, again, I write in the productivity realm, but I've come to the conclusion that making space is a spiritual thing. Uh, we can be as organized as we can. We can have all the right practices, get your inbox to zero, have an online to-do list, you know, know all the different tips and tricks and still be exhausted. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, there's something about space or time which also needs to be submitted to God. I think that's one of the reasons that I've come to value Sabbath. You know, we give of the first fruits of our money, which we call tithing, but do we give the first fruits of our time which I actually think is Sabbath. Uh, are we willing to trust that God is God and uh, he will achieve in six days what we think we can achieve in seven if we submit it to him first? And yeah, so there's a sense whereby letting go of our control of our time, our autonomy over our time uh, to build community, to obey him in mission and evangelism, to, to live the life he wants us to live. I think that's the secret and so making space is essentially about loving Jesus and letting him love us and putting into practice spiritual disciplines where we're not always hyper busy and online mm. to let him change us in the way he wants to. That one thing, gosh, that was a long <laughs> answer to your one thing question. It's, it's not the longest space one Space is spiritual. Yeah. There's my answer. <laughs> That's what I was going to say. It's definitely not the longest one we've had. <laughs> <laughs> uh, look, Daniel, very thankful uh, for you uh, coming on today. Thanks for your wisdom. Mm. Thanks for your book as well. Uh, we appreciate your time uh, and uh, your, your experience just in helping us as we think through what it looks like to lead God's people, God's church across Australia. Derek, what's in the toolbox? Great question. Well, there's a few things in the toolbox today. Obviously, the, the first thing which we want to point you towards and encourage you to uh, to buy and listen, and listen to if you want to is Daniel's book, Space Maker, How to Unplug, Unwind, and Think Clearly in the Digital Age. You can get it on Amazon if you want. You can add audible narration there. Uh, but, uh, yeah, helpful book to pause and think at the start of the year about how you're using your time 
and what it might look like to make some changes in a very, very tricky space. So that is a space maker uh, by Daniel C. You can find on Amazon or the link will be in the show notes so you can grab it there and go over. Um, we've got some other uh, resources on on uh, time management as well. We did a, a podcast with Daniel Au. Uh, there was a sustainable ministry, but you can see Daniel's chat as well with Steve McAlpine. We'll put a link to Steve's blog. Shameless plug for Steve's blog there as well. Uh, but that's a really helpful interview uh, if you want to get an overview as well before you buy the book. And so that link will be on the show notes. Uh, just finally, we would love you to join us at the Reach Australia National Conference. It's 16th and 19th of May. Look, we know there's some uncertainty around COVID and what it's going to look like. We are moving ahead with the conference as planned at the moment in person. Uh, so if you go to reachaustralia.com.au, you will see the links to be able to get early bird pricing and register there. But once again, thanks to Daniel. Uh, Great to talk to you as well, Madeline. Nice to talk to you too, Derek. And we'll chat soon. (laughs) See ya.